Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Okay, I think I think my morning is made. I just got a handshake of fellowship from Miss Faye here. She's a great greeter. Thank you guys for taking time to say hello to one another this morning. The thing is, and I hope you sense it here, there is something special about our church. In our small congregation, we have people with such caring hearts. There's so many of you who use your time and your energy to connect kids, especially kids from broken stories, and you connect them to safety and security. And there's so many people in our population, like a great percentage, who you've either in the past or the present, you've been involved in fostering, adoption, or maybe you helped take care of kids whose parents are fostering and adopting, or you work in the field of social work, or other, you volunteer in places. There's so many caring hearts here. Or maybe it's in your own history. You have a story fostering and adoption in your family background. And I've learned a lot from our conversations, and I, and I tried to connect with those of you this week to just say thank you, because when you are vulnerable and share your stories, it matters. First of all, other people are, are encouraged and inspired, but it matters to know what you're going through and to know the journeys that we're all on. And so on one hand, you've told me that you have these hearts that are full of love and ready to just treasure time with children. But on the other hand, they break because you learn way more than you should know. That you learn that the children have experienced way more than they should know. And there's always that bittersweet mix of love and joy and also heartache. And on one hand, you're ready to keep them as long as possible, but fostering is a a temporary situation. And you have hope at the same time that parents will get the resources, the birth parents that they need to receive the children back in. And some of you, you've been ready to adopt and that has happened and hasn't happened. And there's so much that we carry, that you are carrying. And I know it's a lot. And I want to say that you're seen and known and you're inspiring because that's not easy. And we are committed as a church to come alongside you. That's why one of our service challenges this summer, and I'll say it again here, if anyone here wants to get background checked so that you can be a babysitter for these foster kids in these people's homes, that is what we're here to do as a church family, that we're coming alongside of one another. And it's so much to carry, but I appreciate that you're sharing your stories. And I want to give uh, a bit of a story that was shared with me this week. I appreciated Gary and Amanda Benton for giving me some perspective. They said along their journey, they have three of their four children are adopted. And in that journey, someone told them this powerful thought that has stuck with me this week. Adoption is not a beautiful story right away. And Gary went on to explain, the actual handoff is often deeply destabilizing, even traumatic for a child, even if they're being removed from an unhealthy situation. So it can be beautiful, but it's not beautiful yet. The most basic reality is that A, someone doesn't recognize you, and B, they haven't been taught or modeled healthy bonding. 
And it's a crash course in loving someone who doesn't love you back yet. And that can be hard. But also, Gary expressed that before their very first adoption, who was Zachary, and he said, I felt the Holy Spirit told me that I was going to understand the way God loved me more profoundly through the adoption process. And our ECHO team this week just sat in those words and the scripture today, and it just all collided. And it just felt so strongly, this message that we keep hearing in the book of Galatians, keep saying again and again that God reaches out, that he brings people into his family from all sorts of backgrounds. And that was the message that the Galatian churches needed to hear, and it's a message we still need to hear today. So loving on kids, giving your heart that can maybe be broken, loving them for however long they are in your presence, that is a reflection of God's care for his people Israel and when he opened wide his family to every nation. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to be in Galatians 3 if you want to follow along. We'll get there in just a moment. The scripture study that we've named in this series is called Jesus Redeems Our Stories because that's what we're discovering and remembering every week is that Jesus came for a purpose and he came in order to die and resurrect to connect us to life, to heal us from sin, to heal us from all those scary stories that we have experienced in our own past. Now, some folks came along they came along and they were telling the people in Galatia that there was more to the story. They had a false message that twisted the truth of Jesus and this letter was written to remind them of the truth. The false message was saying that mm, Jesus isn't enough. If you're not a Jewish person, you need to become Jewish first and then become a Jesus follower, like add it all in together. And so this letter was written by Paul, and he was the one that helped these churches begin in the first place. And he's going back and reminding them, here's the message I taught you about Jesus. And he's all you need. You don't have to go backward. You don't have to add anything to him. We've just got Jesus. And so this message we looked into beginning last week, why the false message was harmful. And he's going to build on that more in today's verses. So let's head to Galatians 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 15 this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Notice the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. That's a lot here. There's some Jewish history that we're going to need to dig into. And, and we've got some slides up here to help us visualize what's going on. First, we need to look at this word. This, it says irrevocable agreement here in this translation. But you might have heard of the word covenant. Covenant. God made a promise to Abraham and it was a covenant. In the ancient world, when Abraham lived, this is 
looking back in the Old Testament, you look all the way back at the beginning of our Bibles and Genesis and the history of God's people, the history of God and, and connecting with humanity began and he chose Abraham and he wanted to start with a family. And he said, Abraham, many people are going to be blessed through you. And I'm going to make a promise to you that that will happen. And so this covenant was made to show it's a serious promise. It's a lasting commitment. And it is unbreakable. That was the commitment here. A covenant was very serious. And it wasn't just in religious circles because God used us with humans. It actually was in the culture of the day. If you wanted to make an agreement with another human being, you could say, we're going to make a covenant. And it was a very serious promise that was not going to be broken. Now, the interesting part, I think, is that God used what was already in the culture to connect with Abraham. So I do feel like it's fun to see where God's saying, this is already in the world. I'm going to use this to communicate to you. And so they ended up having a sacrifice in order to show the seriousness of this commitment. And in Genesis 15, you can read where there's a sacrifice of animals to seal this commitment. But Genesis 12, we read, God this was the promise God made. All peoples, peoples, plural, on earth will be blessed through you. So everybody, no matter where they're going to live, no matter what ethnicity they're going to be, they're going to be blessed because of this promise right here through Abraham. So we've got our chart here. Abraham had a promise to bless the world through his family. Those are our key words here. However, God wanted to use people, but people are flawed. They're broken. Then they cycled in of, we're obeying God. It's really great. And then we're just breaking each other's hearts. We're destroying each other. We're falling away from God. And then they would come back and be like, oh, God's good again. But they cycled around and around. And God's like, okay, let's try something new. We got to the point in Exodus, and we studied that earlier this year, that the people of Abraham had grown to a bigger and bigger family. And now they were more of a people group. And they had become enslaved in Egypt. And so God stepped in to rescue them. And he did that through a person named Moses. And he made a new covenant when he brought people out of Egypt. And he said, Moses, I'm going to speak through you. And I'm going to give the people the law. And this is for a whole nation. We've gone from family through Abraham that they've grown now into the nation in Israel. And again, there was the shedding of blood in order to seal this covenant. And that was through circumcision. Now Abraham practiced this as well, but it was, very, it was a big focal point for the law was through circumcision. Now, Paul is now saying to the Galatian people that this law is not what they need anymore. So what happened? What was the point? Let's keep reading in verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to only last until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was a mediator between God and people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement, but God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we would be made right with God by obeying it. But if the scriptures declare that we are prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So let's break this down. Paul is saying the beginning was Abraham and a promise. 
And the person who was going to eventually fulfill that was Jesus. But there was something in between, the law. But it was only meant to be temporary. It was never permanent custody. God wanted to redeem um, humanity through people, but he also had to help them fix all the broken things. And so he's like, let me give you some guidelines. Basically, uh, Chris Cox preached for us this summer, and he said there's these guardrails. Like, if you're going down a path, and just don't head off the side of the cliff. Like, that was the law. Like, you're going to head forward to this redeemed promise, but until then, don't fall, right? That's the law here. Theologian Esau Macaulay, we said last week, sometimes the law limits the damage we do to one another, right? He's, God's like, Try to live and honor the image of God that's in every single one of you. And that's what all of these laws were about. So then, finally, the solution was Jesus. And Jesus is our next covenant, our final covenant. And through Jesus, he brought redemption, and it was for everyone. This has expanded wider and wider. But all along, in that promise... There was, we were always in mind, all of us, the whole world were in mind through God from the beginning. But it, it's also interesting because we're going to read here in the next verses talking about Jesus was born of a woman and his family lineage comes through Abraham and that is very specific to show that God was still going to redeem humanity through a human and through the line of Abraham. And so now we find out how we get to join in on this covenant. Galatians 3, verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now the way of faith has come and we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, for the moment, the, what I want to zero in on is that phrase we was talking about that we just love it, like put on Jesus like new clothes. And he says that we do that through baptism. And so uh, Matt doesn't know this, but uh, our visual aid is a baptism that happened here on our steps. And this is uh, Matt Miller Novak baptizing his son Liam. And so I want us to note that baptism gets to be our covenant ritual. We talked about that Abraham sacrificed animals and that Moses practiced circumcision with the people of Israel. And now Jesus died on the cross and that was his blood shed. And we don't have to join in by anything painful, but we get to emulate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's why someone goes down under the water like Matt's doing here and lifting back up. It's this beautiful visual that we're laying aside, that we're, we're putting to death sin and raising to new life in Jesus. And we, it's very beautiful, and it's, I'm, I'm grateful it's not painful. <laughs> it's a beautiful ceremony. And if, you, if you'd like to know more about baptism, we practice that here. This, see this lovely 
this picture here, uh, we, we bring it out on our front steps, or we go somewhere when it's cold and we go warm places, just need some water. And we have this beautiful ceremony to celebrate our lasting commitment to Jesus. Now notice, Paul, he brought up a metaphor here in these verses. We just read 23 through 29. Paul said a guardian, right? A temporary custody. These are all words that we recognize as we were talking about fostering today. And it's not an exact to our modern day fostering, but we have this idea. We have this visual that we can get that the law for the Jewish people was meant to be temporary. It was to give a safe space, security, space to grow into the right way or the grow into maturity until it was time for Jesus. Fostering is a safe space, but it's not permanent. And until the promise of a lasting family is revealed, fostering is a place to provide safe boundaries and to grow until permanency is revealed. And Paul said, Jesus brought our permanent home, our permanent family. And let's keep reading about that family. Galatians 4 and our final verses 1 through 7. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They had to obey the guardians until they reached whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of the world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are a child, God made you his heir. I want us to note there are some words in this passage that might bring some different mindsets to us in modern-day America that was different in ancient Middle East. Three words. Number one was slavery. Slavery in the time of the church was not the horrendous chattel slavery that we recall from American history. Dehumanizing, destructive slaves in the ancient Middle Eastern culture had more dignity and rights. They might choose the root of slavery for a time to work off a debt, for instance. The late Raymond Westbrook, who was a scholar of Near Eastern law, he noted the term we might best associate is indentured servitude. He said, the meaning of servant seems more appropriate, perhaps the designation of semi-free. It comprises every person who is subject to orders or dependent on another, but nonetheless has a certain independence within his own sphere. So these are, there's an agreement here that there's a, is there's a working scenario, but there is more freedom and more care in slavery of that day. Number two, children. We love our kids. They're amazing. We value them. We lift them up. But <laughs> some of you are laughing. Maybe not every day you love your kids. You love your kids. <laughs> but they were actually seen as non-persons, which is a really great term. But it's true. They were like, this is you know, kids, they may not survive into adulthood. We'll wait and attach ourselves to them later. Not a great feeling, right? But that is actually what the culture of the day was. They were like, you can hang out and do all the work. And at some point, we'll lift you up and we'll honor you when you've made it. And it's just 
kind of a kind of a negative here. So that's why when Paul's talking about the children of the of the owner of the land and the children of the slaves of the land were in the same level. They were all seen equally. They were probably playing together, working together, but they're on the same level in childhood. And finally, adoption. Adoption was still a great thing back then as it is today. And when Paul uses this word, there's probably many layers of meaning that's happening for people's minds. Because not only did it provide for someone in the present, and not even just as children, but mainly you're liking that adoption for when you were an adult. Because an adopted son, for example, would end up caring for his parents in old age. It said even like parents knew that the children were going to take care of their tombs in their death. Like that was a priority for them. I don't think about that much. Uh, it says that you're going to carry on the family name, which we grasp. But also, of course, when a parent died, their resources would be handed down to their children. And if they were adopted in, they got to be part of that inheritance. And it said adoptions would even happen posthumously after a parent would die. You could still be legally adopted into that family because that's how important your security mattered in this time. When you were part of the family, it meant something very important and also helped you survive. Now, this imagery... You can imagine that as these kids who were on equal level when they're young, they grow up, and then their status is different. Now you're the landowner's son. That makes it different than a slave's daughter, right? These are extremes here. So Paul is trying to get them to say, this is how it feels in our society. We have Jewish people and Gentile people, and the way we relate to this deity called the Lord God feels uneven. But Paul was saying Jesus came to make everyone level again. Jesus came to say to the Jewish people, you get your inheritance just as you have been hoping for. But he comes along and he adopts all of everyone else too. So he's saying it doesn't matter where your status was before. Jesus has elevated us all, adopted into God's family. We get the same inheritance, meaning Jesus' death, and his resurrection covers all of us, gives us hope for eternity. Not only that, there's a gift. Some of those resources you get when you're adopted in. The gift here, it says, is the Spirit of God. It's mysterious. Sometimes it's hard to fully grasp because it's not something we grasp in our minds, but truly, there's probably moments in your life where you feel God moving in your experience. And that's the spirit of Jesus connecting you in a supernatural, non-visible way to the God of the universe. And Paul says, you can call him Abba, Father. And maybe that's a term that you have heard of in church before. So it might feel, feels familiar to me. But in this time, where people are worshiping all kinds of gods and they've got statues and they've got to do hard things to appease the anger of their gods in this culture, that you could go to a god and say, Father, that was, that was wild. That was a whole different scenario. This meant a lot to the people of Galatia. And the adoption brought Gentiles and Jewish Christians together in that first church. They could worship together. 
They were so separate f- before. And so let's reread Galatians 3.28 because this adoption into God's family, it elevates and changes our identity. Galatians 3.28, if you remember, it says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male, female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As we've seen, there's a lot of ways that people could identify themselves, and it mattered whether they were Jewish and Gentile. It mattered whether they were slave or free. It mattered whether they were male or female in their society. What Paul reminds the Galatians is that freedom in Christ says, it's not that you lose that. It's just that your primary identity is now Jesus. And these other things can just be enhanced and flourishing because Jesus is your main identity. And it's a freeing message still for us today. Today we still define people. If you fill out a census, you have to fill out race, class, gender, ethnicity, religion. We define people by politics, all the way down to like what language you grew up speaking, what neighborhood you live in in Cincinnati. There's just, we have feelings about these things, right? We kind of assume things about one another when we know our identities and our labels. But labels end up dividing. And Paul's message is to say, like, start with what unites rather than divides. Start with what makes us one family. And that's the interesting thing because the early church started to call each other brothers, sisters, siblings in Christ. And everybody thought that was really strange. They got some funny looks. But what a beautiful picture that we can say here today that we're siblings in Christ, that we can look at each other and feel like family. Whether we've had a great family experience before this moment or not, we get invited in because there's something that unites us that's stronger than any other labels we can put on one another. And that might be hard because we probably all have things going in our minds that tell us maybe we're not enough. Uh, maybe what is our purpose anyway? What are you doing in this world? There's a lot of negative things can come. And we were even talking about in our small group this past week that a lot of that is stuff we heard when we were young, when we were those kids running around. And we internalized that, and we have to reframe everything. And it's not easy. But we're invited to take on a new mindset. We're invited to take on a new physical stance of of honor that God's image is upon us and everyone we meet. We're also free to say that our purpose is to follow Jesus and that can matter more than a job title or what major you had in school, right? That it matters Jesus first and then everything else can build up to that. One more quote from Gary talking about adoption and he said, the most beautiful thing for me about adoption has not been forming our family, but the way it has connected families and given our kids more family than most kids typically have. He said that their adopted children have both biological family members and an extended family in their lives. And Gary recalls Hunter's fourth birthday party. He said it involved my family, Amanda's extended family, 
Zach's extended family, my adopted sisters, their children, Mikey and Katie's crew, Hunter and JJ, their biological grandparents. They were all sharing pizza and cupcakes and kids from all these different contexts were running around and he said it was the most beautiful scenes he's ever had a chance to witness. Our identity gives us more family than we ever may have wanted. (laughs) Definitely people that we might not have expected. But hopefully, we figure out that it is a gift, a beautiful gift. But we don't want to forget that that quote from the beginning. Adoption is not a beautiful story right away. It's okay if coming into the family of God is a little, might feel a little messy. It's not like, like Jesus is in your life. And for some people, it's just like immediately amazing. But if it's not, then that's okay. That's human because there's still brokenness that we bring. There's still pain in our lives and that's not magically erased and we wanna speak about it, that that, it still takes work to be in this family of God because we're still human with our own issues and we're dealing with other humans with their own issues and we're all just trying to figure it out. But we're not alone because we're promised permanency, security, and an inheritance together with this family. Now we didn't plan this originally to fall, this scripture, to fall on this day when we were plotting out the book of Galatians. But somehow God, God knows. And so today it's wonderful to stand up here and talk about the family of God when it's Echo's birthday. And I like to say, I don't like to say it's our church anniversary. I like a birthday because we're a family and we're always growing. And guys, we're 18 now. We made it. We're maturing. Don't you feel it? But there's something beautiful here. We've adopted new family members in all the time, and half of you here today have come since 2021. We're looking new all the time. We're growing, and we don't know who will come and join our family tomorrow. Tomorrow, October 16th, is officially the day, and it's been giving me pause and reflection to think we're different than who we were 18 years ago, as as we tend to be in life. We've experienced celebrations, painful challenges, and we still will. We'll face more, but we're together, and our main goal is still the main thing, Jesus. Lifting him up, trying to live like him. It's our basic thing, and we invite more and more people into the family to journey with us. Jesus brought us together. He adopted us, and you get some unexpected family members you didn't know you couldn't live without. So let's keep this going for a few more years. What do you say? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this hopeful message. I love reading again and again that you chose us. Please remind us that on the days we feel alone or broken, when we have messages where we don't feel loved, Remind us that you love us more than we could ever imagine. Give us the courage to speak that out loud to someone this week. Lord, show us. Who do we need to tell that message to, Lord? Other people need to hear how much they're loved and adopted into God's family. Other people need to know that you came to redeem them, Jesus. Your spirit is with us, so we call out to you, Abba, Father, show us how to spread your love, how to give hope, 
We thank you for this day to celebrate together as a church family. We thank you for coming to earth, Jesus, to live and to be a covenant through your death and resurrection. We honor you right now. And in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.